So, as always, we are streaming live Monday, every Monday, 1 to 2 p.m., Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Um, catch us here live on my personal Facebook page and the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy YouTube site. We are also on your favorite podcast forum. So, after this episode is done, I have a wonderful son, Jordan, who you guys have been following after he broke his leg. And he is doing wonderful, by the way. And we will update you on the – we're working with the hospital on pricing right now. It's a very, very interesting situation very very um great time to educate consumers about how they can negotiate hospital prices and bills um so um, stay tuned for that I'm, I'm in the process right now he's eight weeks out he's walking he's doing full body weight exercises he's doing great he also is our video editor and he uploads these episodes to our podcast forum so soundcloud itunes google play your favorite podcast forums like Share, comment, listen to them there, and you'll they should be up there in a couple days. So, um, so uh, today we have Amber Wentworth out of Austin, Texas. She is also known as the Lone Star Keto Girl. Follow her on Instagram. She's got lots of followers there. Lone Star Keto Girl, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, thank you. Awesome, Amber. It's nice to see you. You're looking great. So. Usually in these podcasts, we just start with a story. So I've heard your story already, and I would love for our listeners and viewers to, to hear it. So Amber, just tell us a little bit of your weight loss journey and just the story of how you how you got into keto. Absolutely. Okay, it's kind of a long journey, actually. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so I'll just start when I guess I was about 10 years old when I first started noticing that I was a little bit different than maybe some of the other kids in the class, like the girls in particular, they were these little thick little things. And I was already starting to develop and uh, had just a little bit of weight on me, nothing major, just not anything compared to today. I would be a normal kid today, yeah. but uh, you know how it is. Yeah, and, right, but, right. But, Jan, I are talking but, about that today. But I was made to feel different. You know, the girls, you know, I got teased and, you know, some things like that. So I, I knew that I wasn't the same. And so that kind of set me up for, you know, all this uh, self-image issues and that kind of thing that I had later in life. Um, I I was on diets when I was young. I mean, you know, probably my first diet was like when I was 11 or something. And, uh, you know, I watched my mother, you know, uh, do different diets because her family background had some really, really nasty uh, health issues going on, diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, you name it, and obesity. Like, I'm talking obesity. And she didn't want to be like that. So she constantly had salads and stuff like that. And so, you know, I watched that and, and I knew that I needed to do something to keep me from, you know, being different because okay. I didn't like that being different and being called out. And, you know, you would get teased even within your family because you didn't fit that certain mold. And it wasn't like they were doing it to be mean, but these little comments really kind of added up. And, you know, so I, I did think that. So I did like kind of do some weird diet kind of thing when I was very young. Uh, by the time I was uh, 15, I was uh, bulimic and anorexic. Wow. And uh, that lasted for a while. And uh, the summer before my senior year, I weighed a whopping 98 pounds. Oh, 
Oh and uh, wore a size double zero, and that was back in the day when double zeros were like, you know, like this big. We're real double zeros. Uh, <laughs> yeah, re- yeah, but we won't say that because <laughs> I kind of like my zero too, so whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I-, I had some serious eating disorders going on there, and I tried every diet out there. And when I was like, I think it was when I was 16, I actually did a medical diet. And my boyfriend, who is my husband now, um, he actually paid for that. And I had to get my dad to sign off on it because they like took blood and they kept track of that kind of thing. And, you know, sure, I lost weight. I lost weight on every single diet because I have this crazy uh, willpower. But so what? Because as soon as I made my goal, guess what? I couldn't keep eating that way because it was miserable. It made me I, I was hungry. I was hangry. I was irritable. I hated everybody. And I especially hated the people who could eat whatever they wanted. Oh, I really hated those people. And, you know, even the ones who were overweight or obese and they felt like they could enjoy their dinner and have whatever they wanted, that made me mad, you know, <laughs> but I wouldn't allow myself to go there. Anyway, I could make my goals. Never a problem. Losing weight, piece of cake for me. Really, it was. But the maintaining, I couldn't do. Because who can keep doing that forever? Uh, I certainly couldn't, obviously. And I've lost uh, four different times in my life. I've lost, you know, like 80 to 100 pounds. That does not include all the times I've lost 10, 20, even 50 and 60, which 50 and 60, that was nothing. You know, I could drop that without a problem. But it always came back. And so as as I kind of went through life, I did this whole yo-yoing thing, yo-yo-yo-yo. And, of course, I had kids, and I ended up being a gestational diabetic and, you know, had to, you know, be real careful what I ate. And I was so concerned about my babies that I did do exactly what I was told. Unfortunately, now I know what I was told was not necessarily the best thing I could have done, but whatever. (laughs) I ended up, you know, everything was fine. The babies were fine. All that was good. Um, so that wasn't an issue, but I, and I actually, because of, of how I was eating and all, I lost weight through my pregnancy. So by the time it was over with my daughter, I gained five total pounds. And with my son, I gained a total of 11 pounds. Well, you know, you lose a lot more than that. So I actually weighed less after having my kids than I did when, when I first got pregnant. So that was kind of crazy, but that was because of, you know, what I was doing or whatever. And after that, after having the kids and, you know, being home, I, I stayed home with both kids and, uh, you know, you're, you're feeding the kids, you're busy. So you eat a lot of crap, you know, frozen yeah. lasagnas, you grab McDonald's. Ugh, I can't even believe I did that. Yeah. Or he let, allowed my kids to have that. Ugh. But uh, that's what I did. I mean, who has time for that? I, I did do a lot of cooking, too, but a lot of the nights, you know, pop in that frozen lasagna. So that didn't do me any favors, for sure. I didn't have time to focus on, you know, me and my weight, my health. Who has time for that, you know? So that went on the back burner. I was too worried about taking care of my kids and everybody else. I didn't take care of myself. And it, it just became a habit, you know, to just not put myself first in the health department, you know, and my health progressively got worse. And as I got into my 40s, ooh, I had some serious, serious health issues. And it really 
kind of freaked me out. I ended up, I knew I had an issue, like pretty severe health issue because, and I've said this a million times, so I'll say it again. When I would change the kitty litter, it would knock me out physically so bad that I would have to go lay down on the couch because I couldn't breathe and my heart was beating out of my chest. I pretty well knew that I had high blood pressure, but I was scared of doctors and I didn't want to know the truth. I didn't want a doctor to tell me, you have these health issues because you're fat. I didn't want to admit that I was fat. I'm not stupid. I could see in the mirror. I knew what size I wore. I, I At my heaviest, I was wearing a 26, 28 and weighed over 240 pounds. I don't know what I actually weighed because by the time I, I weighed on one of my weight losses, I had probably already lost 30 pounds or so, you know, so I have no clue. But I'm, I'm only 5'2". I'm a small person. Wow. And so, yeah, it, it was it was it was bad. And, you know, so I didn't want to admit it. And so I hid it. I hid my health issues. I hid all it from my husband. I mean, it, you know, we would like walk up a hill or go to a movie and have to walk up the stairs. I always picked the lower level, <laughs> even though he knew I liked the upper seats, because I didn't want to take the risk of of overexerting myself and then doing the whole, (gasps) because then he would know something was really wrong. So I did crazy stuff like that. But there was a time where I can't remember what it was. I ended up having to go uh, to the doctor for something unrelated, no big deal, but I needed to go. And when they took my blood pressure, uh, the nurse, her eyes were like really big. And she was like, I need you to lay down and be really calm. And I was like, what the heck? Next thing you know, the doctors coming in, more nurses, the tech guys with the EKG machines, and they're hooking me all up, and and they're giving me medication and told me that if I didn't uh, get my blood pressure down with the medication, they were admitting me to the hospital right then and there. That scared the crap out of me. I mean, it really did, because that is not something I wanted to admit. And like I said, our family has a history of these horrible things. So it was not good. And then after that, it was one thing after another. I was going in for all these different testing. Of course, I had to see the cardiac, you know, doctor and do the stress test and all that. And I was put on four medications. Well, one of them had the diuretic, so I call it four, but really it was three, and one of them had a diuretic. Mm-hmm. So I had to do that. I mean, come on, that's a lot of medication for for one issue, right? Then I found out I was pre-diabetic. Okay, that really scared me. And it kicked my butt into gear to lose weight again. And I did. And I lost about 100 pounds. And it was all, you know, things got better, of course. Uh, And in the meantime, I was also having issues like uh, anemia. And I was bleeding and didn't realize. And they couldn't figure out exactly where at the time. So they were doing all this different exploratory stuff, you know, the, the roto-rooter, the mm-hmm. endoscopy, you know, this way, that way, and, <laughs> you know, and then the, you know, doing, you know, checking out my uterus. And, and it ended up finding out that I had fibroids in my uterus. So they, they did an overture procedure where they basically burned out the inside of me to take care of that. So that was kind of taken care of. But seriously, one thing after another, and it, it just got to be ridiculous. So I did... You know, I can I can remember being in the doctor's office and when he gave me the results of everything after a, a bunch of testing, I broke down crying and I was like, you're going to tell me I'm fat. And that's the whole issue. 
And he was like, honey, I'm not telling you that. I'm saying you have some health issues and we need to address it. We're not talking about your fat, you know, like that. But for some reason, I was more afraid of admitting that I was fat than, you know, dealing with my health issues. So it was this crazy thing and who knows what goes on in your head, you know, but it, it you know, anyway, so I, I did, I lost the weight and things got better and I took care of a lot of the health issues and et cetera. And then I made my goal, of course. Okay. So I was still starving. I hated the weight and, and it was a diet, right? So now that I've hit my maintenance, I should be able to not have to be on a diet anymore, right? So I went back to kind of adding in some things that, you know, now I understand it was not a good idea. Right. But I gained the weight again. Now, luckily, I never fully gained back to my heaviest weight. And each time I would lose these big chunks of weight, I never quite hit, you know, my my highest of the time before where I had lost, if that makes sense. Um, each time I started mm-hmm. out at a lower weight, I guess you would say. And so I was finally to a point where I was about to give up. I, I, I was just done. I was tired. I was miserable. I, I didn't understand why my body wouldn't cooperate, why I couldn't keep the weight off, why, you know, the 500 different diets that I did only worked temporarily. What was wrong with me? You know, I, so I was just about to the point of giving up and saying, okay, okay, apparently I'm meant to be fat and unhealthy and I may just have to die early because I don't know what else to do. I'm just at the end. Well, my daughter, bless her, um, she had a friend who happened to be selling a product and I'm not endorsing this, but um, it was exogenous ketones and it was a trial pack. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it one more go. One more go. This is it. I'm done after this is done. So I went ahead and I did it with her. Well, within the first couple of days, I looked at my husband and I was like, oh, my God, where has this been? This miracle drug. You know, this is the most the best I've ever felt in my life. I felt free. I felt, you know, happy and my moods were good and I wasn't starving. I wasn't craving. And so I started doing some research into it and started learning about ketones and ketosis. And I was like, what the heck is this? And I was like, why have I not heard of this? And then, you know, the ketogenic diet. What? I can actually do a diet and make me feel as good as what that product did? What? Why didn't somebody tell me that? Why is this not common knowledge? I mean, why was that the first time I was hearing of it? It made no sense to me. And so, you know, I'm just looking around going, why do you not know? Do you not know? Oh my God, I have to tell people because this is the most amazing thing I've ever felt. And then I just effortlessly was dropping weight. Seriously, effortlessly. I was not miserable. I didn't crave. I wasn't this, you know, person who felt so deprived that it made you angry. And, you know, I was just like, Ooh. even my husband noticed he was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> There's something <laughs> different this time. Cause I mean, I've been with him since I was 15. So right. he has seen this whole thing happen. So, you know, he's quite aware. So when he sees something different, he's pretty keen on that. And so he was like, hey, you know, go for it. And then he kind of agreed to go along with, with eating keto too. And he actually really enjoyed it. And so that's kind of taken me up to keto. 
and I ended up losing uh, just under, I guess, about 80 pounds on keto. And um, I've pretty much been able to maintain that without any issue at all. With the caveat here, I'm just entered into uh, that M word, you know, menopause. I even hate saying that word, but it's kind of wreaking some havoc with my hormones. And then plus with all the stress, and I'm sure you're very well versed on what cortisol can do to your body. Absolutely. So I've gained a little bit. I mean, it's nothing huge or major, but for somebody who struggled for so long, I don't want that back on. So I am working with a doctor currently um, who specializes in this and he's trying to get my hormones back on level to help kind of help my body out. So that's where I'm at so far. But um, did you want me to go ahead into carnivore? Or? No, well, I got a few questions first, you don't mind. And, right. and Janet probably does too. So thanks for that story. It's a, it's a wonderful story. And I, I'm so glad that, you know, there was a point in your life where you just realized that you've got to do something about this um, and that it's diet related and you didn't want to be on medications your whole life. And I know um, your story you shared earlier with me in the week was, you know, your grandma was on, your grandma was on a, um, medications that would fill up like a tackle, a, a fishing box, you said, right? I think. And you didn't want to be that kit. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a sewing kit, right? And I got to tell you, you know, Jan, I'd be in pharmacists, especially when we, we were in traditional pharmacy and we didn't focus on health and wellness like we do now. You know, we would have a lot of patients like that. They would have 20 different medications. And it was just, we felt that, you know, a lot of them were lifestyle-related issues, and if they just changed their diet and lifestyle, they would they would be off those medications. And that's one of the reasons we we have people like yourself on to share their stories, so we can educate and empower individuals that they are in charge of their own health care and that they don't need to be on medications the rest of their life necessarily, um, because that's not necessarily the the best thing for them if they can change it with diet and lifestyle. So. Um, that's the first comment I wanted to make. Now, the question I had, you mentioned when you were a gestational diabetic, you said that you realized now that they were telling you to do some things that probably weren't the best. Will you elaborate on that, please? Uh, yeah. Okay. First of all, I had to eat at least five different times in the day. Okay. Five to six times they wanted me to eat. And they were like, you know, little meals or whatever. So I was eating all day long. And I got to the point where I was sick to death of food. I didn't even want to look at food again. I was over it. And then kind of what they had me eating was kind of similar to what you see in the American Diabetic Association. You know, yeah. little you can have a little bit in moderation, yeah. you know, like, and no, no, when you're in that kind of situation, I'm sorry, it's, it's not about moderation. It's about getting rid of the crap that's causing you to have this Absolutely. It, yeah. You know? Right. I'm assuming you're on insulin also when you were pregnant. Did you have? No. Oh, you no, didn't. I you was didn't. not. Okay. No, so you could control it with diet. by diet. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we see it all the time in our healthcare. And I don't think in, in healthcare, whether it be type two or type one, even that we treat diabetes very well at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and type 1, a lot of times what, what we do, if you look at episode 1 from Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, I had my twin brother on there, and we talked about his ne- his son, my nephew, who um, contracted type 1 diabetes when he was 10, and how the system talked to him about um about treating his diabetes. And, and as you can probably guess, uh, you know, if it came from the American Diabetic Association um, recommendations, they talk about eating carbs and just using more insulin. 
Um, it's like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, eat 80% carbs and you can just turn his insulin up. And I just don't think that that's a good, that that's a good recommendation personally. I mean, it, it's all about whether it's type 2 or type 1. Type 2, I don't believe, I believe should be 100% almost controlled with diet and lifestyle. Um, type 1 is still a lifestyle and diet needs to needs to be um, watched in order to keep your blood sugar in check. So um, anyway, it's just an interesting interesting how you know in the in the medical system we don't we just think drugs are going to fix everything and we don't talk about diet. Do you have any comments about that, Janet? Oh, <laughs> I, well, I'll just say something really quick. Yeah, sure, um, please. The um, the other day I had posted something about you know diabetes and the lifestyle and et cetera. And I had this lady who just was bent out of shape. How dare I suggest that by what you eat affects because, uh, you know, type one diabetics, they, they don't have a choice and all this kind of thing. And I was like, no, that it's not saying yep. that you can be cured of it, but you can definitely make changes to where you can lower the insulin need. I don't understand people who are okay. Like what you were saying. Oh, go ahead and have that cake. Just up your insulin. Oh, good gosh. Do you know what that's doing to your body? You know, it is so not cool. And but this is what we hear. This is what we see. And I, I thank goodness I never got to that point. But I see family members and it breaks my heart. I have a cousin and what he's going through. There really should not be any reason for that. Uh, it, there just shouldn't. Because uh, but the ADA, he did what they told him to do. Yeah. And well, for that he's suffering. Yeah, and you're you're exactly right. You don't need to use all the insulin that they that they tell you to use. You can use a lot less. My my um nephew gets away with twelve units a day. Um there there are patients that need a hundred units a day, but they eat junk. If you're eating crap, you're gonna need more insulin. You're gonna spike your glucose. And I, I know and I had the same experience, Amber, when any time you get into a debate with somebody about diabetes and type 1 comes up, they say, well, you know what? Type 1 cannot be controlled with diet and, and, and lifestyle. Well, and like you said, it can't be cured, but it can be helped and controlled without no matter how much insulin you use, no matter what kind of diabetic drugs you are on. If you don't watch your diet when you are diabetic, type 1 or type 2, you will not control your blood sugar, period. And I I hear things like, well, we don't really want to want to deprive type one diabetics of their cake or their sweets, and so we just have them use more insulin. And this is my reply to that. This sounds really cold hearted, but this is true. This is what I say. And I'm not saying you shouldn't splurge every once in a while, but you gotta you gotta understand that it, that it should be just every once in a while. And if your blood sugars are out of control because you're not depriving yourself of cake and the sweets and the cookies, that's fine. Because if we if we don't deprive you of that now. We will deprive you of your eyesight and your kidneys later. Exactly. I yes. mean, seriously, yes. that's it's that serious to me. So, yes. Janet, do you have any comments about that, Janet? Well, I I think one of the things that is not relayed to uh, clients or patients is that insulin resistance is real. So, if we keep adding on more insulin and more insulin and more insulin, we get to a point where we have resistance. And then also, when we put patients on insulin, they gain weight. So, you know, there's, there's that to be considered too, as well as they don't have as much control. And it's easier to start out using a toolbox of using diet 
in activity to control your levels of glucose than it is to add in insulin on top of it without keeping it in that range because where do you go after you have a certain point? And there are new drugs on, on the market. We were just talking about that the other day. And some of their side effects are you urinate glucose. Well, it turns into the side effect of having infection. Well, you're already predisposed to infections when you're a diabetic. So I would choose, if it was my body, to control it with diet. And we know that um, diabetes puts us at risk when we have too high of carbs. So why not try an option that's available that we have so many tools out there in the box to, to utilize right now, you know, which we didn't have when we were growing up. We, there were lots of diets, but, you know, the keto and the carnivore diet lend themselves to helping control the carbs. And so, I mean, that that's just my opinion with that right now. But Amber, I'm really interested in your research on the keto diet because there's so much out there hitting us from all sides right now. So can you just kind of fill in the blank about how you came to where you uh, were comfortable with your diet? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, the thing is, whenever you do something that's against the status quo, gosh forbid, you know, you're going to get this backlash like, you don't know what you're doing. You don't, you know, you're, you're crazy. That, that's, it's always been this way. You always eat like this. And so when you do something different, you do catch a lot of flack, even from family and friends, because they don't understand. They haven't done the research. They haven't experimented on their own bodies to see, you know, I, I did different things. Uh, I had a blood glucose monitor as well as a keto monitor. One okay. One in the Good. same. And um, I would test out certain foods. So I can say for a fact, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, people who are just so fruit fanatics who think that's the best thing that ever lived because it's natural. When I would eat a banana, let me just tell you what my, my glucose did. It went shoot and it stayed there for a while. Of course. That's bad. That is bad. And when you have that chronically happen and it stays for a long period of time, that's not a good thing for your body. Now, I'm not saying every single person would have the exact same reaction as I did, but it does lend the question, is this good for my body? I tested other fruit as well. Um, <laughs> pineapples, yeah, not, not, not good. Uh, blueberries weren't horrible, but they still, you know, made my glucose go up. So fruit, you know, it, you're saying fruit has been, you know, bred to be bigger and sweeter and available all year long. That's not cool. It's just not cool. That's not how we were meant to, to be. Well, basically, so, uh, if it tastes good, it tastes sweet, it's going to spike your blood glucose. I mean, it's just pretty obvious. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. and, and so, you know, it, it, I, I tested a, a lot. And the same with grains, healthy grains. Grains are so good. Grains are so good. And I used to eat oatmeal every single morning. And before that, it was cereal. I love my cereal. I'm not going to lie. And I love my oatmeal. I'm not going to lie. But I would have oatmeal with a banana. And my margarine, oh, yeah, and skim milk, Plas oh, plastic, margarine, oh, just oh, plastic. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, it's <laughs> terrible. And I would have my um, low-calorie, fat-free bread or low-fat bread or whatever it was, the forty-calorie slice, a slice, whole grain, yeah. so whole grain, so. And so that's what I had for breakfast. Well, let me just tell you what that little meter did. 
Woo-wee. <laughs> if, if you could even, I, I think I uh, counted it as being like 17 spoonful of sugar. Yeah, I think that's what it was, what I was eating as a normal breakfast for years, thinking I was being healthy. Well, because it, it was low calories. Yes, low calories, and it was healthy grains. Come on, right. healthy grains. And so, you know, I believed that. I believed in the food guidelines. I mean, why would they lie? I, I obviously it's something wrong with me, but I knew that grains spike the crap out of my glucose. So, and again, not everybody will have the exact same you know, uh, issue of insulin resistance, but let's get real. A big chunk of our population, and what was it, 80%, somewhere around that, are metabolically unhealthy. And just because you haven't been diagnosed with high blood pressure or diabetes or whatever yet doesn't mean you're metabolically that, healthy. That's the thing. And, you know, we had a guy on our radio show a couple um, episodes back and he was 713 pounds. He had weight loss surgery last last week, and he's lost. Uh, he's 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 obviously losing weight, doing doing really well. But he was never diagnosed with diabetes, and that's one of the reasons they that they put off giving him surgery because he didn't have enough chronic conditions yet. But you got to think, Amber. It was only a matter of time, and I don't care what the oh, yeah. black and white numbers are. He had insulin resistance. He might not have had the definition of diabetes guaranteed he was insulin resistant oh absolutely so it's just like you say it's just a matter of time and in some ways i think you know people that don't i think in some ways like my, my nephew for instance he he monitors his blood glucose very very frequently in some ways he has an advantage kind of like you do you did because you monitored your glucose very frequently so you know what foods did to your blood yes. sugars just imagine the people that eat bad all the time, they don't know that their blood sugars are spiking and their pancreas is being taxed. And it is only a matter of time before they are going to be diabetic. That's just, that's just, that's just the facts. So it would be kind of nice sometimes if we all monitored our blood glucose more often so we know what happens. And I can honestly tell you, I haven't, I have not done that. I do know a lot of people that have, but so good oh, for you. Kudos, yeah. kudos for you for knowing those I, things. I think personally, every single person should at one point wear a continuous glucose monitor, the, the, the little things that you put on, on yep. your arm that test actually it's the interstitial fluid more so than your actual blood or whatever. But to, to see how foods in real time, you see it on your phone, you see how the foods affect you. I would like to think that that would make a difference. But then the other part of me like when you tell a diabetic that, well, is it really worth losing limbs and, you know, whatever? Well, yeah. Right. That blows my mind. Right. I, it is. Well, I think in some ways you can blame the system, the healthcare system for it, because, you know, um, we have a system that just rewards people for staying sick. I mean, think about it, Amber. You're not on any meds anymore, correct? Oh, you're on one blood pressure med, correct? Is that no, true? No, no. Oh, you're on none. Everything. You're on none. Yeah. Okay. You're on yeah. no blood pressure meds. Think about that. The pharmaceutical companies aren't getting rich off you, off you anymore. Huh. And and the doctors, I, I don't know if you go to a regular doctor regularly anymore, mm -hmm. but if you do have diabetes, doctors usually see those people once a month 
and they do that because that's what the insurance company pays for. It's just a way that they continue to perpetuate the system. Do I think that doctors really personally want to keep people sick? Not necessarily. It's just the way the system works. That's why we have a radio show. That's why I wrote a book because people need to be educated and empowered about their health care so they can take charge of it and not an insurance company, not the doctor. Um, and speaking of my book, uh, my book talks about it. The very first chapter talks about it. It talks about my weight loss journey. I was 60 pounds heavier 10 years ago, and I had a, you know, those range of diseases, high cholesterol, hypertension, and when I lost weight, all those things went away. I experienced the same thing, Amber. People said I was crazy, especially in the medical establishment because I was losing weight too fast and all this. And I'm like, well, really the most dangerous thing you can do is be overweight. So I I wasn't too worried about it. Um, you know, and my book's called Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. There's a six-step solution in there. And just realize that you, the viewer, you, the consumer of your own healthcare, you're in charge. And um, you can make those changes. So um, go to Amazon, download the Kindle version. Working on an audio book now and also a paperback version. So um, please check that out on Amazon. Sickened, how the government ruined healthcare and how to fix it. Janet, do you have any questions for Amber, specifically more on the keto? I um, do. Okay. So I know a lot of our listeners have heard of the keto diet, but there might be some new people. So let's define the keto diet and what that can entail for food. Because when I started listening to my son, my young son, Jordan has done keto and I was kind of shocked as to what was included and, and what that meant. So let's, yeah. let's fill in those blanks for us. Well, unfortunately, uh, like with, with, with any, even carnivore, there's a wide range of, right. of how people implement it. You can have the ones where, well, if it fits your macros, so they're still maybe eating processed foods or uh, some sugar, say, because if it still fits within their carb allowance, uh, they think that's okay. Okay, so you have that at the far end. And then you have it all the way to the other side where you are eating only whole food kind of thing, not the processed stuff, not the keto treats, not the whatever. So really... The definition of keto is if you're in ketosis for the most part, really, and you're, you should, you should eliminate grains, sugar, processed foods, seed oils. Those are like the big things. Also like beans and legumes, uh, and some other things, but that, that's kind of the gist of it. So basically you're eating animal products, your, uh, vegetables, uh, some fruits, mostly it's like berries. Um, that, that's kind of more of the middle of the road, kind of, right, kind of like right. the, the better part. You that's know? almost a paleo diet, correct? Sort of. I mean, pretty close. Maybe? Uh, well, it's up for paleo does allow, you know, like, uh, tubers and, um, honey and some other stuff like that. And sweet so, potatoes, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's true. Yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. So a few years ago, you, you, you had good luck with the keto. And a few years ago, you decided to go um, carnivore. Will you tell us about that journey? Yes, sir. And tell um, and tell us what that is. You know, okay. define that. All right. All right. First of all, carnivore is you're eating animal-based foods. And again, there's a little bit of a range, and people will argue and think that their way is the only way. Um, it, it goes from just eating beef and salt and water all the way up to including everything in the animal kingdom, including dairy, honey, uh, fish, ruminants. 
Honey. You know, everything. So there's a big uh, range there. The way I do it is I pretty much am uh, beef, but I do have other stuff. I occasionally have salmon, um, uh, elk, uh, bison, uh, lamb. Uh, there's some other things that I will incorporate and, and occasionally eggs. I just haven't really craved eggs, so I, I don't eat that too much. And I do have a little bit of dairy in the form of butter and occasionally heavy cream. Sometimes I have coffee. I've, I've been trying to break that habit. And so now I'm down to occasionally instead of twice a day. So, you know, I'm making some uh, gains there. It's, it's a little difficult. I do include spices because quite frankly, I could not eat plain meat. I'm sorry. I just can't, at least not yet. Maybe one day I can't, but I like my spices, but they're limited. And it's usually like a Redmond seasonal, um, Caribbean, uh, lemon garlic, um, and the paleo powder pink, those are pretty much what I stick to. They don't have sugar in it. They don't have the corn oil. I don't even know why that's in there, but yeah, some spices really. have it. I, I don't get it. I don't understand why you have to have sugar other than to addict you. That's the only thing I can think because it, it, you don't need it. And uh, that's pretty much what I do. But uh, when I got into keto, uh, actually, I was I was two years in. I'm sorry, two years into keto before I started carnivore. And I had already pretty much uh, tapered off on uh, the need to recreate everything that I had in my past life, but make it keto version. So I kind of got over that and I wasn't doing the keto desserts as much and the, and the fat bombs and all that kind of thing that you hear about going, going uh-huh. with keto. Uh-huh. I kind of stopped that. And um, I still was on one blood pressure medication, a small dose, and I had a little bit of rosacea. So my friend who was very carnivore that I do a podcast with, Brett, he was like, you know, why don't you just try it and see? And I thought, you know what, if I'm going to advocate for low carb all the way from low carb all the way to the other spectrum, I really should experience it and know what I'm talking about. Otherwise, I just need to be quiet, you know. So I decided to experiment. And what what happened was within a couple of days, Every digestive issue I've had since I was three years old, three years old, gone, bam, gone. The gas, the bloating, the constipation, and pain. When I went on keto, it got a lot better, okay? It did. But And I thought that was what was normal. But it ended up being like this amazing thing, kind of like when I first started keto. It was like, ah! Yeah. That part, I wasn't expecting, I don't know why it makes sense that your digestion would, digestion would be better because you don't have all that fiber and the irritants right. from plant-based foods and stuff. So it makes sense. But I, I wasn't expecting that because I thought my digestion was spot on, you know, because gas is normal and, you know, all that kind of stuff you're told. And occasional bloat, it's all good, you know, whatever. Well, guess what? Except for this little bout I have with some little virus. I've had a zero digestive issues. I mean, gas has gone. And that is very common with carnivores. So you can't just say it's it's a isolated thing. That is one of the big things carnivores say is that, uh, you know, in some, it's a disappointment. I don't have my gas. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Some people do say that. (laughs) You always got, you know, guys. Okay. I'll just say that. uh, (laughs) And and the pain, you know, I, I would have these pains and, it would just be miserable. I, I remember, you know, just going to my knees with pain. I didn't do that on keto, but I still had the bloat and everything. Anyway, so that was the, you know, light bulb moment for me with carnivore. And after that, I decided 
there is nothing in the plant kingdom that I want bad enough to feel like I used to feel. I just don't care anymore. And I love vegetables. There was a point where I seriously considered being vegetarian, not being into vegetarian. And, but I still did like my chicken. So I pretty much ate chicken, fish, you know, because you're supposed to eat lean meats, right? Uh-huh. Lean meats. And no fat. Vegetables. Mm-hmm. And, and, right. And, and that's what I did. And seed oils, you know, because they're are healthy. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> a lot of, uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm being sarcastic, but it just gets so old. Yeah. And, and I fell for it for so many years. So I get it. I get it. But um, now that I, I've seen the light, it just makes me just cringe when I hear that now. But anyway, so uh, the digestion was great. And the other thing that really helped uh, clear up was uh, my rosacea. Because I had it seriously bad um, where I look like Rudolph. I mean, it was just like, and I look like a, an alcoholic. You know how they have like the little lines? Yeah, the gin blossom, gin blossom. Yep. Yeah. And uh, little, little acne like bumps, little tiny ones that look almost like little blisters. And it was bad and it, it was embarrassing. And even under makeup, you could, you could still tell. And if I rubbed off my makeup, oh goodness, that was embarrassing. So it, it, it was a very, you know, outside kind of thing like being obese it was embarrassing and so for me it was a big thing and through keto it improved a lot and I just had a little bit left to kind of deal with and I still have this little bit like when I get really hot and that kind of thing my nose will turn red but for the most part all the veiny stuff is gone the little uh blisters have gone um and most of the blushing through my cheek is gone it's just like like a little bit right here and so that was pretty incredible and the other thing is I was able to get off the last bit of my medication. So I'm taking zero medication. Awesome. And uh, the only thing I am doing now, like I said, I'm working with a hormone doctor uh-huh. to kind of help balance things. And so I'm taking um, three supplements. Uh-huh. So that's all I'm doing. I'm not even um, taking other vitamins or supplements or anything like that because I don't feel the need yet. Yeah. I would if I felt the need, but I'm eating such nutrient-dense foods now that I, I'm not feeling I'm lacking anything. But, I mean, no, I have not tested my blood, so I don't know for sure. So, But I'm yeah. going by the way I feel, you know. So, you know, I think the carnivore diet – is the ultimate anti-inflammatory diet. And when you think about rosacea, you know, rosacea and a lot of skin problems, psoriasis, um, you know, um, eczema, things like that, you know, they are a lot of times an autoimmune response from something possibly you're eating or being exposed to at least. And, And, you know, people don't like to admit that, um, but, you know, a lot of times vegetables... Uh, especially, they have ingredients in them that are inflammatory um, to our bodies. And you know, for instance, think about think about some vegetables that you know. You mentioned your spices, and this is a little bit different than spices. But think about vegetables like that are spicy, like green peppers. Why do vegetables have spices in them? Why are jalapeno peppers hot? So animals don't eat them, yet we do eat them. So you yeah. got to, I mean, you, you wonder, you wonder if that is not good for us. And I'm not necessarily recommending people stop doing that. But the nice thing about carnivores, you figured out, it's, an, it's a great anti-inflammatory diet, a great elimination diet. You eliminate anything that could be inflammatory and you slowly start adding things back. Maybe just start with beef. 
And if, you're, if your issues go away, like digestive issues, how many people are on medications for digestive issues when if they just change their diet? Me. It would get better, me, right? Yeah. Nexium, Who's not? Eight years for every single Nexium. day. Nexium. For eight years. And, and, yeah. and getting off Nexium is, is, is worse than getting off a, of cocaine. It is so hard to get off of because our bodies, our tummies, our stomach is meant to be acidic. Yeah. So when you give a drug that, that completely neutralizes the acid in our stomach, that's not a good thing. No, um, it was not. No. Acid tummies, basic bodies. Our stomach is supposed to have acid to, to, um, di- to um, digest and digest food and kill toxins. There yeah. are certain bacteria and viruses that many, most bacteria and viruses cannot live in our stomachs because of the, of the um, high concentration of acids. So when you kill that acid, you get all kinds of problems, including overgrowth of bad bacteria. Um, you get dysbiosis. Um, so Nexium, long-term, even look at it. Nexium, Prilosec, long-term, they even say it in the package insert, no more than six weeks. There are people that have been on there for 20 oh. years. And what happens is your intestinal, your stomach lining gets thinner because it's not having to be protected from acid anymore. So when all of a sudden you stop doing that, you've got a thin stomach lining and it, and it hurts. So, yeah. you know, change your diet. Don't go on medications long term. Yes. It's not good at all. Um, Go ahead, Janet. So, Amber, I am so excited to hear how you are helping others. So, if you could just tell us a little bit how you um, are working with other people in the industry or or how you are using your image classes and nutrition to to train and share with others. Oh, yeah. Uh, After realizing how important nutrition is, you always hear that, but I used to roll my eyes too, oh, whatever. But being on the other side now, I realize how incredibly important health is. It's everything. I mean, with the current situation going on, uh, yeah, guess what? Who's at the most risk, generally speaking? Right. It's a scary situation. And so if you, I'm, I'm currently taking a nutrition certification. And, Wonderful. you know, I'm learning, relearning things that I've, I've learned before and I've researched, but it's just reinforcing how very important that is. And, you know, I I am not saying that every single person in the whole entire world needs to be keto or carnivore. No, I'm not. However, I am advocating for giving it a go if what you're doing is not working. And so, and I, like, I didn't know about keto. Now it's a little bit more mainstream. People have heard, at least heard the word, whether they they think it's negative or positive. At least they've heard the word. I never had heard the word right. when I started. And that was just, you know, what, three years ago. It wasn't that long ago. So I feel that it's so important to let people know that there might be another way for them if nothing else is working. If what you're doing is working and you're happy and you're healthy and there's zero nothing and you're sure there's nothing wrong, hey, you go for it. Good for you. You figured it out. But for, I hate to say it, probably most of us, that's not the case. So why not try it? So I spend a lot of my time researching, talking to doctors, talking to nutritionists and other people in the health field. Um, I started uh, working with the MeetRx platform form who uh, Sean Baker, uh, Dr. Sean Baker uh, yep. co-started. And uh, I do a lot of behind the scenes work as well as in front, I guess you'd say, because I do uh, the interviews 
for the success stories for people who went more meat-based and all the good things that have happened, I, I do those interviews. And so every time I hear, every day I hear positive results. And there's going to come a point where you can't ignore all of us. Why are we all experiencing similar things? There's got to be something to it. I mean, maybe it's not perfect for you, but it, 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 you're going to have to pay attention to it. There might be something to it. And so um, through the MeetRx platform, there there's so, at MeetRx.com, by the way, um, it, there's so much good on there. There's information, uh, coaching. I am a coach. I'm a carnivore and a fasting coach because I, I very much believe in both of those as well as keto. Um, it depends on where you, you want to be, yep. you know, in your life, uh, what's better for you. But I, I do coach those two. And I eventually want to be a nutritional coach as well. Um, and there, there's so many things I want to go into because I just want to help people so bad because I don't want anybody to ever have to suffer like I did. Yeah. It's ridiculous that it took me 40 years to get where I am, but that's because I didn't have the right information. That's right. And, so, and right. And that's why we have people like you on Amber. So we can educate and empower individuals to take control of their health. If you check out our previous episodes or archive, Dr. Sean O'Mara, he specializes in intermittent fasting. We had him on. You guys can learn more about that. Um, also, Dr. Sean Baker, back in February, we had him on with MeetRx. You can learn a lot more about carnivore. Um, so, Amber, um, you got about 30 seconds here. You have a podcast, and your and what are your what are your parting words? And talk a little bit about your podcast and how people can get a hold of you. Oh gosh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Uh, look under Lone Star Keto, Lone Star Keto Girl. I won't give you all the little thing, uh, but if you look up it, you'll find me. Um, I have a YouTube, Lone Star Keto. Um, I have a podcast called Ketovore Cast that I co-host with friends who, awesome. who got me into carnivore. And I also started my newest podcast. I have my first guest, Dr. Ken Berry, this morning uh, for my podcast called Lone Star Keto, which will be on my YouTube. It'll be part of my YouTube. So you can find me there. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Just you can find me. Trust me. <laughs> awesome, awesome. <laughs> Type my well, name, you'll you, find me somewhere. Yeah, you are obviously very well educated about this, and thank you for staying up with the literature and 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 educating our viewers and listeners today. You have been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, um, where we talk everything healthcare. And Thursday, tune in. We will have Dr. Raul, Gar Raul Garcia. He is an ER doctor, and he will be talking about some things in healthcare. And he is also running for governor of Washington State. Amber. Thank you. Thank you for being on. We could talk to you for hours. Um, love it. We'll talk to you later. Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you.